It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app and the lovely DraftKings DFS app. I've got them both on my phone. Hopefully you guys do as well. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you guys know about that. If you check us out on YouTube, you can see the helmets and the game balls. I actually have a couple other game balls, but like the stickers or whatever that the Bills use, I don't know if they cheaped out or what, or in got messed up in transport, but like the they're all disfigured or something. I guess get somebody to fix those at some point. Anyway, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoy all of our shows, like Even Money and Ross Tucker Football Podcast, College Draft with the draft right around the corner, please check them all out at RossTucker.com or just follow at RossTuckerPod on Twitter or Instagram and you'll know exactly when they are posted, when they're available. Last week was awesome with Joe Dolan talking about the rookie quarterbacks, and the importance of talking about them before the actual draft takes place. This week, we're bringing in yet another big gun from FantasyPoints.com. So you guys know the drill. FantasyPoints.com is the only website you need to go to for your fantasy knowledge. Use the code 21FEAST, and you will get the knowledge of guys like at FG underscore Dolan, the fantasy gangsta Dolan, and Scott Barrett, DFB. So if FG underscore Dolan, I have turned into fantasy gangsta Dolan, at Scott Barrett, DFB is dat freaking boy. At dat fantasy boy. At Scott Barrett, dat fantasy boy. Uh, what does it really stand for, Scott? Am I supposed to know that? Uh, it's dude, fantasy bro. That was my longtime handle as I reveled in obscurity for years on Twitter. And then as soon as I changed it to Scott Barrett DFB, I got like eight thousand followers overnight. Just a just a student. No one wanted to follow a dude fantasy bro. I don't. I don't blame them. So Scott Barrett DFB dude fantasy bro. So this is back when you were just doing it for fun, right? No, no, I, I've been in the industry for a long time. I was writing, but I was writing for free. And like I said, just just reveling in obscurity. I, no one wanted to interact with Dude Fantasy Bro on Twitter. Okay, so, all right, so that I get it. Because I was going to ask, like, I'm always curious when it switches from being like a hobby or a side gig to your main gig, how, like, the the pros and cons of that, I guess I would say. Yeah, for me, it was it was just like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. I can merge my passion and hobby with my profession and get paid for it. I'm going to have so much more free time. And then it turns out I just I just all my free time is it is non-existent. It's just all fantasy all the time. But I mean, what a, what an amazing life that is, huh? Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Scott, of course, one of the, I don't know, double digit rock stars they have over at FantasyPoints.com. It's the greatest value in fantasy. I don't know what your guy's slogan is, but fantasypoints.com, the greatest value in fantasy football. Boom, right there. 
Give me some money for that. Fantasypoints.com. Use the code 21FEAST. So here's a question, Scott. Joe and I talked last week about quarterbacks and the importance of evaluating these draft draftable prospects before they're on a team. Because I feel like on some level, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Scott, as soon as they go to a team, it's really hard to think of them in any way other than like the scheme, the quarterback they're with, like that team. So do you think it's important to evaluate the player themselves ahead of time? And if so, why? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, what we're going to be talking about today, I guess, is is my pre-combine rookie model. And, and so that's basically just raw production and efficiency. And then there's it gets parsed through a second model that incorporates athleticism. And then the third mo- model uh, just incorporates draft capital, which is the most predictive variable. You know, all these NFL teams have, you know, draft cap and a vested interest in these players succeeding. So they're going to do everything they can to, to have these players succeed and not look like idiots for taking them. Uh, so, and it's also just, Hey, you know, the NFL thinks this guy's a round one talent. He's probably a lot better than however we thought pre-draft. And then, you know, so I, I take that and things don't change too much beyond that. Uh, you, you can get into landing spots with how, how run heavy is the offensive coordinator? How good is this quarterback? Something I care about a lot is, is regime uncertainty that a lot of people don't think about like LaVisca Chenault. I was worried because of, all right, there's a lame duck head coach. He's probably out. And then the new regime comes in, how they're not invested at all in, in this player succeeding. He was kind of a raw route runner. You know, are they going to have the patience? Are they going to be able to design packages for him? Things like that. Uh, but something I do, this is like maybe my most valuable article all right for me, like no one reads it, but it, it's, it takes so much effort and time, but it's so valuable. I, I watch every single post-draft press conference, all the interviews with the position coaches, the offensive coordinators, the GMs, et cetera, et cetera. And you really get so much valuable intel. It's, okay, we like this tight end uh, used as basically a wide receiver. We don't want him in line. We don't want him blocking. Or they're like, oh, uh, DJ Chark. Yeah. We actually had him as the top wide receiver in this class. We were in love with him. Things like that, that goes a long way, but, but at the end of the day, really not much changes beyond where I have these guys pre-draft and then incorporating the most important variables, which is draft capital. I, I think that's a good point about the draft capital. Uh, question for you would be, and maybe Joe, you can chime in on this yeah. too. You know, I was mentioning last week, Scott, that we, in general, like Steve Fezzik, right, on the Even Money podcast, and he talked about this yesterday when we were doing season win totals. He used to really fade teams that had rookie quarterbacks, right? Like, he's not going to be good. They're not going to be good. Blah, blah, blah. You know, fade them. Take the under on the season win total. Bet against them week one, et cetera. I remember, I don't know what year it was, but there was a year where like people were pointing out that Terry Glenn was like the only rookie wide receiver that had a really good year for like, and then there was Randy Moss, but it felt like productive rookie wide receivers used to be a really unique and rare thing in the NFL. And then we've had the last couple of years where 
it feels like rookie wide receivers can be as productive or as good as anybody, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, landing spot is very dependent here, but it's just the NFL evolving too, where you talked about last week rookie quarterbacks and, and how you know they didn't used to play, they didn't used to produce. And again, the NFL in today's world is coaches uh, adapting to the scheme, teams investing in these young players, and teams learning that it's advantageous to win when you have young players who you aren't paying as much as the older players on your team. So, you know, uh, and I think a lot of that with the marriage of college and NFL concepts, that line has become blurred quite a bit. That's also becoming um, a, a big factor in some of these guys coming in and and producing as rookies, and that's gonna that that's gonna be a question I have for for you, Scott. When you are looking at drafting a rookie wide receiver for fantasy, what are some of the the hallmarks you look for? It, it, because again, this is not a full fade scenario. It's not really a scenario where you're like, well, he's a rookie, I'm not taking him. Justin Jefferson just had the best rookie season we've ever seen from a wide receiver. So what are the factors you look for that maybe your model captures when you're looking to draft a rookie wide receiver? Yeah, so one of the most important things in my model is is age-adjusted production. That's that's so important. And, you know, people who are experienced in dynasty football have heard the term before breakout age. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just, you know, a wide receiver who in college hit a certain threshold uh Uh, at a certain age. And, you know, the hit rate on that is exceptional. I I look at it a little bit differently. I I look at age adjusted, you know, yards per game, age adjusted receiving yards uh, versus an expectation, things like that. But, but like intuitively a priori, it it makes sense as well. It's um, you know, a 19 year old wide receiver is at a physical disadvantage of against 21 year old cornerbacks. So the, the ability to operate at a handicap is indicative of surplus talent, just as if a wide receiver were to total 800 yards playing the entire season with one arm tied behind his back. So it's just a, a really positive indicator for uh, a wide receiver success at the NFL level. Wow, that's interesting. So, all right, so let's dive into it then. Let's get to, and and I'm sure you guys both noted, like there have been a lot of good rookie receivers lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a bunch of them, you know, I, I mean, Justin Jefferson must have won some people some leagues last year. Where were people getting Jefferson last year? Oh, he was a double. He was a double digit round pick, right, Scott? I mean, uh, yeah. I, like uh, double digit rounds because like people were wondering what kind of fit he was because he got slapped with the oh he's a slot receiver deal and people were like well Thielen's a slot receiver too well how's this gonna look and um, nobody anticipated what Justin Jefferson did nobody. Yeah, he's probably out there winning leagues for people. All right, so there's a bunch of good receivers again this year, Scott. Is there, using your model and the age-adjusted stuff, is is there a clear number one guy in your mind? So so 2019 was a special class. Uh, uh, The rookie wide receivers in their rookie season totaled the second most total receiving yards of any class in NFL history last year. I mean – Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, absolutely stacked. And this class looks to be a very special class. And all the way at the top, for me and my model, is Jamar Chase, who I have as the best wide receiver prospect to come out since the 2015 class. I have him right above Amari Cooper over that span, according to my model. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so, so special. You want to talk about age-adjusted production? Uh, guess what? He just put together 
something like the the sixth most receiving yards and the sixth most most uh, receiving touchdowns by any Power Five wide receiver since at least 2000. Guess what? He did it at 19 years old, a full year younger than Justin Jefferson. This guy outproduced Justin Jefferson significantly on fewer targets. And look how good Justin Jefferson's going to be. And the other guy, Terrace Marshall, he's being mocked in the first round, second round at the latest. So, you know, what he did, uh, and, and especially within this, you know, really special wide receiver core that LSU was sporting was – you know, phenomenal. Uh, by age-adjusted seasons, by total receiving yards, it was the second best season since 2000. The only season better was Michael Crabtree as a freshman, which is like the most ridiculous season ever. Uh, but yeah, if you look at all of the top, if you look at like the top 20 wide receivers by that stat, something like 70% went on to have at least one wide receiver one season. So just really, really strong. Uh, so wide receiver is the toughest position to evaluate. The NFL gets this wrong. Bill Belichick gets this so wrong. And it's it's just, it's just such a tough position to evaluate. So since 2015, uh, there's there's been 23 wide receivers drafted in round one, only two pro bowlers, Mari Cooper, Justin Jefferson. The hit rate's bad. And the reason for that is a, it's a laundry list of things, you know, not as much up against man coverage, not as much up against press coverage, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the um, you know, a lot more production in the slot and it's a lot easier to get production in the slot. You, you don't have sticky nickel cornerbacks, things like that. So there's, there's all these concerns with all of these wide receivers, least of all chase, you know, a beast on the outside, majority of this production on the outside, beast against press coverage, the best wide receiver against man coverage. And it goes on and on and on. I've really, and then factor in an elite, elite pro day. There's just, I see, I see no red flags and I just see massive upside and it's, and, and it, it leaves me salivating. All right. So here's the question, Scott, you said he's the best receiver you've had since 2015. Was there somebody better in 2015 or that's just when you started doing it? I know that's just the cutoff for my model. God, okay, so he's the best receiver you've ever evaluated. Right, right, right. Wow, okay. Now, very curious about this next one. Who's yeah. the next guy? Because, well, I, well, let me take a step back, actually. While we're on chase, mm-hmm. how high is too high for people hey. to have our chase? Hey. He's still a rookie receiver. Let's assume he goes to the Dolphins or maybe the Bengals. How high is too high to take him, even though you love him so much with your model? Um, I mean, so there are some concerns. Like he, he, but I mean, like, okay, that didn't stop him from having one of the most ridiculous seasons in college football history as a 19-year-old. Um, how high is too high? I mean, I think he should go where uh, – you know what I think? I think I could say, you know, right now, if you if you have him higher than you've had a rookie wide receiver, you know, in the past like four or five drafts, like, hey, I get it. This guy is so special. Um, but at the same time, he is a rookie wide receiver, and you know, you, you you can't expect a Justin Jefferson every season. What do you think, Joe? In terms of that question, how high is well, too high? Uh, let's, uh, let's see where he ends up first. Uh, I, I know that's, that's kind of, uh, kind of damaging right now because you're asking the question 
fifth round maybe. Um, if he goes to Cincinnati where there's T Higgins and he gets to play with his old college coach and Joe, uh, a quarterback rather and Joe Burrow, sixth round feels about right to me for Jamar Chase. And then by the end of the, the, uh, the fall, that might look like a complete steal. Um, when, if, if he goes to Miami where it's Tua, who uh, I still have some questions about, I think he's probably going to go in the sixth or seventh round and he could certainly pay that off. Uh, but I, I think anything beyond the fifth round is probably going to look right for Jamar Chase. Uh, and, uh, you just have to keep in mind just how talented this player is and and you know, the fact that he can help a young quarterback get better as well. I'm assuming, Scott, one of the Alabama maybe, – maybe mistakenly that one of the Alabama guys is next in your model. The question is, which one? Yeah, so that's going to be Devonta Smith. At this point right now, it's I'm looking specifically at college production and efficiency – once I factor in athleticism, which incorporates BMI and weight, I do expect him to fall. I don't know that he's going to fall beyond two. Honestly, I, I will have to wait and see. But but this is another special prospect. So so he ranks third. He ranks, it goes Chase, Amari, and then it goes Devonta. You know Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy are, are all right there in that range, but another special prospect. So, I mean, I just talked about what Jamar Chase did, uh, you know, won the Bolitnikov, you know, 200 plus yards in the championship, which they won, you know, uh, some of the best production numbers ever. Guess what? You know, Devonta Smith beat all that. He, he first wide receiver to win the Heisman in nearly 30 years. He had 200 plus yards and just a half in the championship, uh, you know, more, uh, more, the second most receiving yards since 2000, the second most receiving touchdowns since 2000, just a ridiculous season. And people are sleeping on his 2019 season because his 2019 season was actually the fourth best season by any wide receiver in this class. And, and he excelled in, you know, the production was there in the fact that, I mean, he outproduced three other potential top 15 picks, let alone first first round wide receivers. But the, the efficiency stats were just absurd, looking at really important metrics to my, my model, things like yards per route run, yards after the catch per reception, my favorite stat, depth adjusted yards per target over expectation. That was kind of a mouthful, but uh, just, just an absurd, absurd season. Uh, the knocks on him are one, uh, he, he stayed in college all, all four years and the hit rate on that is bad. The reason the hit rate is bad is like typically if a wide receiver gets a draft worthy grade, they come out. So it, it's always like not great wide receivers staying. Guess what? He had a round two consensus grade by the GM committee. So that doesn't apply to him. The other knock is, you know, late breakout age. My numbers don't say that. My numbers say great age adjusted production. And then the other knock is weight and BMI. And the hit rate on that is really not good. And he is way skinny, way skinny, like incomparably skinny over the past, since 2000, incomparably skinny. And and I do think that's a concern. And, and Greg Cassell said it showed up on tape, the corners, you know, squeezing him to the boundary, uh, things like that. So so I do think that's a legitimate concern, but just looking at the raw production, I mean, this is this looks like a special guy. So what did you say about the, the hit rate on the BMI is not good? 
Yeah, it's it's not good at all. I, I could actually, I should, I could actually pull it. So up. you're just he saying is, guys with low BMI have not done well at receiver. Yeah, not just that, but guys with who, who are high BMI have have done ph- phenomenal. So, well, so then, then I should enter the draft. <laughs> <laughs> I should enter the draft. If the, the, uh, I know we're we're all knocking on BMI, but yeah, I mean Devontae Smith's weight, Scott, is is a big concern for people. Yeah, so his BMI is at 22.4. Uh, there's only other ever been one other wide receiver with a BMI below 24 since 2000 who was drafted in the first two rounds. Uh, among those wide receivers with a BMI of 29 or more, uh, 50% had one 1,000-yard season. And then, you know, below 25, that hit rate dips to like 19%. So it's, it's just a statistically, you know, discouraging. Interesting. Okay, who's your third receiver? Uh, so this is basically a tie. This is basically a tie. But uh, I have Elijah Moore, who I think is, you know, I'm acquiring him in every single dynasty draft. And and I'm in a lot of drafts that are before the NFL draft. So on draft day, I'm rooting for Elijah Moore to go in round one more than I've rooted for my Giants in years. Um, and I think he's going to be an immediate contributor uh, in the NFL, I think he, this is a guy to target in 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 redraft leagues. Uh, I am so excited for him. I think he's being massively slept on. The concern with him is he's a slot wide receiver. I talked about before; it's a little bit easier to produce in the slot. It's it, it's a devalued position, just like running back is devalued in the NFL today. But again, age adjusted production off the charts. Uh, so you know he basically had the same posted the same numbers as DK Metcalf as a freshman when he was uh, 2.4 years younger. And then as a sophomore, when those guys left, he had 850 yards, which might not seem like a lot, but the next closest receiver had only 192 yards. So like yardage market share, that's another great predictive variable. Crush that. And then his 2020 season was insane. Insane. He had the most yards from scrimmage of per game of any wide receiver, I think ever, I think ever, at least 2000. That's as far back as my sample goes. But I think maybe ever, 157.1 per game, just absurd. And people are sleeping on this guy. And uh, and frankly, I don't get it. L- look at other stats, yards per route run, PFF grade. He crushes it all. And I think he's going to p- be a PPR cheat code at the next level. 10.8 receptions per game last year. And, and, and you know, f- that goes a long way in PPR leagues. It feels like he's a guy that the more people I've spoken to over the last couple of weeks that have really watched him, everybody's starting to like him. Like the mainstream media doesn't, but like the Cosells, the Dane Brugler, like the people that actually really study, everybody seems to think, like, wow, this guy's really good. Lance Zierlein, too, that's his guy. So so I, I own him everywhere in all the leagues I've already drafted. I, you know, I – I, I love Dynasty. It's like it's crazy out here, but uh, yeah, big fan, and I expect to have him in a ton of best ball leagues, ton of redraft leagues. He's he's going undrafted in best ball right now, so yeah, wait until what? he gets drafted in round one. Yeah, wow. All right, and then is he basically tied with Waddle or in somebody else? Uh, so I'll just say real quick on Waddle. Any produ- any any production model is going to miss on Waddle, although my model least of all, because it, I think, I think it's really good with efficiency. So, so he ranks, he ranks sixth. Um, but, uh, and he's going to get a boost 
probably for athleticism. But uh, yeah, it's it's Rashad Bateman, who's another guy who just you know insane, insane age uh, adjusted numbers that he put up in Minnesota. Um, my model didn't incorporate for atrocious quarterback play, which it needs to. It didn't incorporate for the fact that he lost ten pounds due to complications from COVID uh, in his final season. Uh, you, you have to factor those in. He, he might be wide receiver three. There were a few, you know, nitpicky concerns with him. Uh, drops was an issue. Uh, my model loved Tyler Johnson and like he went day three. So like makes me worry there might be something scheme wise with Minnesota. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I think this is another really solid prospect. He has all the age, age adjusted things uh, you want to see there. Uh, the uh, best wide receiver in this class and career yards per route run when lined up out wide, which this class, this class is an interesting class. It has a ton of undersized guys who are amazing and a ton of slot guys who are amazing. But this, you know, alongside Jamar Chase, you know, uh, proven, proven outside uh, outs- weapons on the outside. It's funny, Joe, you probably remember this, but a couple of years ago, Penn State had a really good team. They ended up going, 11 and two, they lost to Minnesota and Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman absolutely massacred that game. And I didn't realize, like, I didn't know Minnesota had two like high draft pick receivers. You know what I mean? Like it's Minnesota. Since when there was a they bad offensive pass interference call at the end of that game, Ross. You might remember that too. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but no, they, those guys they, crushed it. They destroyed Penn State in that game. Turns out they had two stud receivers. Like, those, these are, like, legit guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bateman, obviously, the higher regarded. Johnson, Johnson, I think um, a lot of people had concerns about his athleticism. Uh, that was the well, big yeah, concern. He, he, he fell in my, my post-combine yeah. model, but, he, but he's my single most egregious miss in my, my pre-combine model. I, I think he's sandwiched in between CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson in the top seven. He's like the the one guy who sticks out and makes me yeah. shake my Well, head. I mean, you, but Scott, you're going to miss, though, if you're using like a production model, right? And like, right, so right. L- l- let, me, let me bring this full circle. What When it comes to a wide receiver, what is important and what's noise when evaluating a prospect? I mean, I mean, so much, so much is, so much is noise. Um, I mean, it's all the things I already talked about. It's what's, just what's, knowing what the best, most predictive variables are. Yeah. What, what would you, what would be the most surprising thing that you would call noise that might surprise people? Where like, oh, this doesn't really matter for wide receivers. Um, I will say, I will say, drops. You know, fairly irrelevant unless the number is insanely high. Um, that's, that's one. I mean, there's, uh, anything per target is, is really typically trash because targets are a positive indicator of talent. If you're getting targets, it means you're getting open. You've earned the quarterback's trust. Uh, he, he thinks you can, you can do damage after the catch, things of that nature. So people looking at yards per target, it's such a trash stat. yards per route run is, you know, the single most predictive stat at the NFL level not for evaluating prospects, but, but it, it's, it's great for that too. All right. So Scott, you can talk about one more guy. Is it Tutu Atwell, Amari Rogers, Rondell Moore? Is it um, Terrace Marshall, who you mentioned? We haven't said anything about Kadarius Tony. One more guy that you can talk about. 
Oh boy, that that's that's tough. Um, I do, I do love me some Rondale more, but uh, but but oh, his name is Dustin. That- Wait a minute, Scott. So I did the U.S. Army Bowl when Rondell yeah. was in it. He was yeah. phenomenal, and then his true freshman year at Purdue was amazing. So his age adjusted must be off the charts. Yeah, so it is insane. All right, we could we could talk about some Rondell more. Uh, I was going to go with Jalen Waddle, but look how yeah, happy so, he is, Joe. Look how, how look how yeah. he, he, um, like He's so. We giddy. did a mock draft. We did a mock draft for our for the draft. Oh, guy. how annoying was I, Joe? Uh, like uh, I, I basically Ross. We did a staff mock draft, and basically all it was was I, I gave the six staff members who were doing the mock draft, and I went one to six. We each get a team, and we get them in one to six order, and then you repeat the order. So it was like one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, and one, two, three, four, five, six. There was no no trades; just that's how it was. Scott saw that I had the Packers, and he's like, "No, you need to give me the Packers." And I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Because I want to pick Rondale Moore for the Packers." So, <laughs> so let him let him wax poetic here. Yeah, so that's that's just my dream landing spot for for Rondale, who who by the way is is tied with Jalen Waddle, perfectly tied. Uh, I, I mean, insane pro day, insane insane pro day. But just looking at statistical production, yeah, his age nineteen season was easily one of the most ridiculous age nineteen seasons ever. Just you know, he just like a month after turning eighteen years old in his first game, he had nearly 200 yards from scrimmage and 13 touches end of the year, 114 catches. So PPR cheat code, this guy could be a real PPR cheat code. Uh, 12,000 yards through the air, 200 or 1,200 yards through there, 200 yards on the ground. Uh, Just insanely dynamic. One of the best seasons ever by missed tackles force yards after contact yards after the catch PFF grade, Yards per route run, just absurd. And then, unfortunately, he dealt with injuries over the next two seasons. He missed 11 of 18 games, but he was still dynamic, highly productive on the field. Uh, 10.3 catches, 106.5 receiving yards per game when he was healthy. Uh, and this guy, to me, I, tape evaluation doesn't factor into my model at this point, but he is so fun to watch on tape. My comp for him is like a Kryptonian Cole Beasley. Uh, a a smaller, less complete, but more athletic Steve Smith. If, if secretariat was a Shetland pony, this guy is just like, you take Calvin Johnson and you just like squeeze him really into a tiny package. But that's the concern is the height. The height is a massive concern. Uh, He's going to be very scheme dependent. He's going to be very landing spot dependent. That's why I loved green Bay. He has, he has a very small catch radius. That doesn't matter when you have the most accurate quarterback in football in Aaron Rodgers. And, and they're missing that dynamic element. They're missing someone to keep defenses honest when they're playing against Devontae Adams. Uh, he's going to be a first down machine. He's going to be a PPR cheat code. Uh, there's, there's red flags. There's, there's concerns. He's risky. But, I, I mean, I see also massive potential. And this is another guy who, you know, he's, he's you know, round two – in mocks, maybe round three. And, and, you know, I, I, I just love this guy and yeah, love him. So if you have 114 catches and 2,200 yards as a freshman, all purpose yards, you should be allowed to go pro. Like you should be allowed <laughs> to leave school after your freshman year. That's when he was 18. Right. 18. Yeah. 
Like so, so you keep hearing with him is like the concern is durability because of the injuries the past two seasons. And I want to just like cut him some slack. It's like, hey, they told you you're going to be a first round pick like halfway through your fre- true freshman season. Like, you know, if he's going to like take it easy a little bit, like wh- why not? He, he put up all the tape we needed to see as a freshman, I think. Scott, this was fantastic. It always is. Encourage you to check him out. Gosh, I was making up that fantasy beast. It's actually dude fantasy, bro. Like there really is a name to it. Just like Joe is fantasy gangsta underscore Dolan. <laughs> check them both out over at fantasypoints.com. Just make sure you use the code 21feast. Check them out on social as well. That was awesome. I guess we got to talk about running backs and tight ends next week, Joe. It'll be fun. I think we're done. Oh, absolutely. We'll get Graham Barfield on for those running backs. So that'll be that, – there's a little tease for you. Ooh, I like big, it. I'm big Najee Harris fan. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 